Hey mamas, I'm Alyssa, registered dietitian, picky eating specialist, and mama of two. You're listening to the Nutrition for Littles podcast, aimed at helping you raise healthy, independent eaters. Each week, we will tackle topics like picky eating, mealtime struggles, baby led weaning, and so much more. Let's jump right into today's topic. Hey, 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 and welcome back to the podcast. I'm so glad that you are here. In fact, today I am tackling a topic and a question that I get relatively frequently, one of probably my top 10 questions that I get from parents just like you, and that is, how do I parent a picky eater? How do I tackle picky eating when I'm divorced, when we have maybe a co-parent situation or multiple homes that my child goes to, spends a significant of their time with someone else, including meals and snacks? How can I still have an impact on my child's picky eating? So we're going to tackle that topic today. Now, at the top, and I'm sure this doesn't need to be said, but I am no relational expert, and of course, there are situations that I can't even begin to understand, although I can try my best to empathize um, and give you the tips and the proven techniques and tactics that can work for you in your home as far as it goes with picky eating. Of course, there are some things that I can't necessarily know without exactly being in your shoes. So take this episode with a grain of salt. Uh, What I always like to say is to take the meat and leave the bones and see what applies to you. Now, if you are a relational expert and you would like to come on the podcast and discuss this topic more in detail, I would love to have you. Or if you have someone in mind you'd like to hear from on this topic, I would love to have them on the podcast. So please send them my way. But today we're just going to kind of talk high level of how to have this conversation and the impact that you can still have regardless of your situation with your child's parent. So on those notes, I do want to say that all of the advice I'm going to give you today is highly dependent on the relationship that you have with your child's parent that you are co-parenting alongside, right? So depending on your level of ability to communicate effectively, to be on the same page, to whatever that might be that you need to uh, navigate is going to be really an indicator of how well this whole thing is going to go. Right. And so we're going to kind of start there. But you also need to know where you're at relationship wise with your child's other parent and set the expectations accordingly. So we don't want to expect that they're going to parent the exact same way as us. In fact, even in our home, I can't even expect that of my husband. We're different. We have different triggers. We have different frustrations. We have different histories. We have different lenses that we view life through. So we have to constantly communicate and get on the same page or as least as close, like within the same chapter, I would say, of parenting but no one's going to be the exact same way that you're going to be around parenting. And this includes around picky eating and feeding them. Now, oftentimes I hear from parents that there is one parent who is really passionate about um, coming, like reversing picky eating and working on picky eating while the other parent may not be as interested or not as worried about it. Um, And so maybe it may not be their priority. This can happen within a home with two parents in the home or co-parenting or separate houses or even amongst families, grandparents, aunts, uncles. Of course, we know this um, dynamic can be amongst many different family members. So just know that you're not alone in those kind of hard conversations and maybe not seeing eye to eye on how important this is. That being said, it is really important to set expectations both in your mind before you have the conversation and then communicate those expectations back and forth between each other 
regularly. This is not a one and done conversation. However, I think setting your expectations of what you should or want to expect from the other person and not setting yourself up for failure, for being frustrated, for being angry is perfectly valid and a great way to go about this. And maybe starting with expectations small, especially if the co-parent is not as interested in fixing picky eating as you are or doesn't see it as the problem that you necessarily do, or especially if they're not on the same page with how to handle it. So I'm sure that we all know that the child does come first. Their needs, their health especially, should be the topic of conversation, should be the place that you start. So I would recommend starting there and getting on the same page with at least the first topic of conversation, which is your child, their health, their overall well-being, maybe even their moods, their sleep, their most basic needs need to be met. And I'm sure you and your co-parent can both agree on that. Now, again, how to get there might differ, but starting there and being on the same page from the beginning is excellent. I would also recommend having this conversation away from your child if you can, um, and definitely communication kept away from the child about this specific topic can be very helpful. So they're not listening to what's going on and hearing all these plans and just getting all in their head about what's going on. So trying to have that conversation away from the child is really helpful as well. And of course, not right after a big incident or something that was frustrating to you or in a heightened emotional state, really trying to stay nice, calm, cool, and collected, and having maybe some talking points, some ideas laid out before the conversation started, maybe even telling them, hey, I'd really like to talk about JoJo's uh, picky eating. Can we have a time to go get lunch or go get coffee and chat more about how we want to tackle this? so that they're prepared as well and they can come to the conversation knowing what you're going to be talking about so they can come prepared with their thoughts and ideas as well. A great way that I think that I've learned in relationships and just marriage in general is to start it off by saying something along the lines of, hey, I've noticed XYZ is happening. Something that you can point to, something that you can see, something that you've both experienced and both can agree is in fact happening. Have you noticed this too? Again, getting on the same page, getting as many yeses, if you will, as possible before moving to the next stage of how we're going to tackle it is really helpful. So, hey, I noticed that, you know, Johnny is not eating very many vegetables. Have you noticed that too? Start there and then we can start to build. Next, I would think that a really great place to go is actually the vision, where you want your child to be, what you want your child to be like at the table, what kind of rules or boundaries you want to have in place, but also what type of eater you want them to be. And getting on the same page with your co-parent is really effective. So saying something like, man, I would really love it if we could get Johnny to a place where he is eating vegetables every single day. I would really love to get to a place where he is eating enough so he's not waking up in the middle of the night hungry. I'd really love it if we could get to a place where he's not asking for a snack every 20 minutes, right? So setting that vision of what type of eater they're going to be, what behaviors you're observing or have witnessed that you would like to either stop or maybe to start. So really starting with that end goal in mind and getting on the same page about that. Remember to not only come prepared with your vision and your goal, but also give them time and space to come up with their own. What do you envision this to look like? What do you think would make your life easier, right? I think that's a really great place to start. All right, I have to ask, do you feel like you're stuck on repeat asking yourself, what should I make for dinner? Or maybe you dread hearing your family ask the same thing to you every day at 3 p.m., which brings on the frustration remembering that every time you spend your time making dinner, it ends up getting ignored or even worse, going in the trash. 
Do you feel like you're on the verge of just giving up and making chicken nuggets every night until they turn 18 and move out? I feel you. But if that's you, then I want you to meet Picky Plates, your new best friend in the kitchen. It's created by me, a mom of three who also just happens to be a dietitian and picky eating specialist. We are here to help you take the guesswork out of feeding your family. Each week, Picky Plates serves up meal plans that are both kids and adults will love. And no, we don't just give you the recipes. We pack in helpful tips specific to each and every recipe to turn even the pickiest eaters into excited eaters. You can finally make one healthy meal for your entire family and have a strategy each night to get your kids to actually eat it. And there's more. Join Picky Plates now to unlock our exclusive bonuses, including a fail-proof lunch playbook, a quick guide to breakfast that take 10 minutes or less, and a mini course on meal prepping that'll save your sanity. And the cherry on top. When you join us now, you will lock in your price for life. So you can click the link in the description box below to start now because strong families are built around the table and picky eating has already stolen enough from us. All right, now back to the show. Next on kind of the docket would be to create a list, whether in your head or on paper, of the most important things that you think would be helpful to tackle. Now, we're not all going to fix it in a day, right? Like Rome wasn't built in a day, and that saying is a saying for a reason. It is laid one brick at a time. But we need to know what are the most important bricks? What are the foundational bricks? And not based on what Alyssa says, right? Not based on who your favorite social media RD says, but based on what you feel as the parent. Where do you see the biggest struggle? Is it with dessert? Is Johnny obsessed with sweets and sugars, and you would prefer it if he would eat a more balanced diet? Or maybe for you, it's snacking all the time. Or coming to meals and actually sitting at the table. Maybe for you, it's eating less fast food or eating more whole foods, whatever that might be. You get to decide what's most important. So I'd recommend making a list of one to maybe up to four of the most top priorities for you and your child and as a family coming together and agreeing on those. Now remember, there's going to be compromise here, especially if we have a co-parent who isn't on the same page as you or just has a totally different view or different version of what type of eater they're going to be. So we want to do our best to create these priorities, but hold them with an open hand loosely so that we know that there is room and there is flexibility here. It's not just whatever we think or we want goes. Again, we're there for the child first, and we know the child is most going to succeed and succeed at their best when their parents are communicating effectively and are on the same page, right? We can agree to that. So coming up with those top one to four priorities, especially to work on first that you can agree upon, and this might take some time. Again, this is not a one and done conversation. This is something that you likely are going to continue to come back to and revisit and edit over time. So ultimately, I want you to know that you are only in control of what you are in control of. So you, even if you put in boundaries, even if you put in rules, even if you tell your co-parent your top priorities, even if you share all that information, and even if they're on the same page with communicating with back to you that they agree, you still cannot control what goes on in their home. You're not likely going to be there, although maybe you are, maybe you're able to have more shared meals than normal. Um, so what you could do is actually physically be there. But at the end of the day, you get to control what you can control in your home and at your table. So ultimately, we have to end up releasing the parts that maybe we want more control over, that we would have more control over if they're in our home 24-7, but releasing those and saying, 
I can only control what I can control in my home. And ultimately, this is a good test because no matter what's happening with your child, we're never going to be able to control their eating 100% of the time, all the time. In fact, that's not even remotely the goal. So you can set up the environment. You can set them up for success. You can implement some of my low pressure or no pressure techniques. You can absolutely do that in your home and under your roof, but you're not going to be able to do that when they go to birthday parties or when they go to sleepovers or when they go to school, right? So ultimately, this is a good test run and kind of first step towards ultimately realizing that we don't have complete control anyways. Now, I also want to hit this this point home, especially if you're in a place where there's miscommunication, you're not on the same page, you're struggling to get there, you're not even in the same chapter, maybe you're in the same book, but that's about as good as it's ever going to get. It's okay to have different rules and boundaries in your home at your table. It's okay that if they go to dad's house, they have ice cream every night and at your house, you don't. It's okay if at your house, they have to put a vegetable on their plate, but at your spouse's house or ex-spouse's house or co-parent's house, they don't have to. So it's okay to have different rules at the home. And I think this is one thing that just in parenting in general, whether you're together or not, has gotten a little bit misconstrued. Is it most ideal that you're both on the same page and have the exact same boundaries and rules all the time? Yes. Is it better if you come as a united front and are able to kind of have the same answer as my daughter likes to say? Do you have the same answer? Yes, absolutely. Is that always possible? No. Is that always feasible? No. Is that always going to be real life? No. Now, is it important that your child does not see you squabble over this and go back and forth and have power struggles with your co-parent? Yeah, it is. It's important for them not to see that because when they see that, they sense that that boundary is loose and they're going to be pushing up on it, which is going to be harder for both you and your co-parent in any situation. So the best thing that we can do is regardless of where our co-parent is, we have those boundaries in place. Now, again, it's 80-20 here. There's 80% of the time we try to enforce and and hold that boundary, but 20% of the time, life is going to happen. We're going to get busy. Things are going to be off schedule. We're going to be off kilter. Something's going to be going on. So we always are just doing our best. But ultimately, you get to hold up the rules and boundaries in your family that feels most aligned to you and supports and connects with your child the best and brings out the best version of them as well. And it's okay if yours do not line up 100%. This goes back to having those really top priorities for you and even your co-parent to have their top priorities that you guys maybe are working on together. You can maybe only agree on one or two, right? That's okay. Start there. And then the other ones, you can have your own rules on those. And it's okay to tell your child that it's different. Oftentimes, even today, my son will ask for things that his friends at school get or whatever it might be. And I tell him, that's okay. I'm not Johnny's mom. It's okay for different families to have different rules. The same can apply to you. It's okay to have different rules at my wife's house or whatever it might be. And so it's important to know that it's okay for it to be different. Because if we're holding to the expectation that it should be the exact same, regardless of where they're at or who is the um, default parent at that moment, then we're going to get sour. We're going to get frustrated. We're going to feel really upset. And so again, it goes back to that expectation piece and knowing that we can only control what we can control. So we have to know our boundaries. We have to know our priorities. We have to know our values. And if we don't share them equally with our co-parent, that is okay. The next little tip or last little tip I really want to leave you with today is to not necessarily get the information from your child. 
Now, I don't know how old your child is, and I'm sure they're very trustworthy, and I know that they are perfect little angels, but at the same time, trying to get information from a two-year-old, three-year-old, five-year-old, eight-year-old, even 15-year-old, not only puts them in a really uncomfortable position to feel like they're constantly reporting on the other parent, but on top of that, they also may not be telling the full picture or the full context of the situation. Now, I understand and empathize with parents who feel like that is their only way to get information that is even remotely true. I am sure that that is some of the case some of the time. However, if you can avoid getting information directly from your child, asking them consistently or constantly about what's happening in the other home, how their parent, their co-parent handles a situation, taking their word as gold, I think is really effective. So trying somehow to build that trust with your co-parent to get that information directly from them is ideal. Now again, real life and the ideal don't always match up, so do your best. But also hold it with a loose hand, the information that you get from your child, because there's a very good chance that you're not getting the full picture or the full context. In fact, my son recently told my mom that we have peaches every single day. Not even remotely true. And he's seven. Now, I don't think he's lying, like he's intentionally trying to lie. I think he just got excited about peaches. I was like, oh yeah, we've had peaches before. Oh, we have them every day. That information, even though it seems small, if you are depending on your child for information like that, like what they're eating, what they're saying, when they can have dessert, when they can't have dessert, when they're eating, all those sorts of things, it's just going to get muddled really quickly. So try your best to have an open line of communication. Again, a judgment-free zone where you can just absorb information and understand what's going on so that we can have a conversation outside of the matter to adjust and cut, keep coming back to those values and those priorities and those goals that you ultimately set. So I hope this was helpful. I hope ultimately from this conversation, you hear the very fact that you are ultimately in control of what happens in your home with your child and with food. And it's okay if it's different. Would it be great and be ideal if you could get on the same page, at least in the same chapter? Absolutely. If that's not possible, there are still things in your life, in your home, at your table that you can do to help picky eating. If you want more of that kind of information, if you want to learn more about what you can do as the unique position that you are in, in order to influence their relationship with food and their ability and willingness to try new foods, to eat a balanced, healthy diet, I would highly recommend taking my free training. I will link it in the show notes below, and you can take that free training and gather all that information. And if it feels good and aligned to you, share it. Share it with your co-parent, Share it with mother mom friends, share it with other mom friends who are struggling with co-parenting, whatever that might be, because ultimately you still have so much influence over your child's ability to be an adventurous eater. And I have seen it change in homes, even homes where they are co-parenting, even homes where they even don't even have full-time custody or even part-time or 50% custody. I have still seen it change and affect the child. And that is really beautiful. So you still have that power to influence your child around food. And I know you can do it. Thanks so much for tuning in and I will see you next week. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you're walking away with some tangible ways to bring peace to your mealtimes. And if you like this episode, please subscribe and tell all your mom friends. And as always, the best compliment you can give me is leaving a rating and written review, which also helps other mamas like you find this podcast too. You can find more from me on Instagram at Nutrition for Littles. Do you have a question you'd like me to answer on the podcast? Email me at alyssa at nutritionforlittles.com. All right, until next time, mamas.